Well, for all of you out there watching this morning, what a great place to be. Such a good place to be honoring the Lord, worshiping Him, and lifting Him up. And we are going to be singing a song that says, Let every nation. The book of Revelations tells us that Christ, the worthy Lamb that was slain, has redeemed every tongue, language, tribe, nation. Christ is our Redeemer. And we have this privilege of coming to worship our God and our King in every language, tribe, and nation. We are so blessed to call you Lord because the Scriptures tell us that there's no Jew nor Greek. There's no male nor female. There's no free, no slave, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. And we want to proclaim that this morning. So come and join us as we sing to the God of all the earth this morning. Let every nation, tribe, and tongue, let every generation come. Give praise to our God and our King. Every woman, child, and man with open hearts and lifted hands give praise to our God and our King. Let all the earth fear His name. Let all the start to proclaim.
us all who live, we will lift up the name of the Lord Most High. You alone are King. You alone are Lord. And in this place, in your place, in your home, let praises arise. Let worship arise to the King. Fill your heart, fill your home with the atmosphere of worship and praise. Fill your heart, fill your home. Let it, let it be filled with the praises of the Lord. is filled with praise unto you and every language and every tribe the grace and the glory be with us Lord God as we exalt you and call you our God mighty glorious to you Lord to the darkness you 
to know you as our heavenly Father. And at this time, we, we come before you, King of heaven and earth, trusting in you as our heavenly Father. We know we can put our trust in you. We know we can place our heart in your heart. I pray that our hearts would be enveloped by your heart this morning. I want to read Psalm 46. Psalm 46 speaks about this incredible God and Father, this incredible Savior, this mighty one. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength. Just take those words, take them into your heart, meditate on them this morning. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake at their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. And He breaks the bow and He shatters the spear and He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at His feet. He breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Almighty oh, One of Israel, You are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you're with us. 
and break, you lift your voice to speak. The earth it bows and all the mountains move into the sea. Oh God, who knows the hearts of men and still you let them live. Oh God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win.
your perfect love, your unconditional love that chases us down. It's your perfect love that leaves the 99 to fetch the one. It's your perfect love that surrounds our hopes, your perfect love that surrounds our children, our parents, our grandparents. It's your perfect love, God, that gives us life, that gives us breath.
Isn't it amazing how much God loves us and that He pursues us? That even when we think we are slipping away from Him, the Word says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He leaves the 99 and He comes after the one because He loves us so much. And I just sense in my heart that I want to pray for people that through all the challenges we're facing that may feel like you're not getting closer to the Lord, but perhaps even feeling like you're slipping away from Him. And just to say to you, the Lord loves you and He pursues you. Just turn to Him. And at times, all we can do is say, here I am, Lord. And He comes towards you, and He will meet you right there where you are. So let me just pray for us together. Father, I thank you that you love us so much and that you pursue us in your great love. That you never let us go. I pray for any person right now that may feel like things are slipping away from them and they, they, they're becoming uncertain, perhaps even beginning to doubt whether you are for them and whether you have good plans for them and that you love them. And I pray that, that they will stop and just come to a point of surrender and say, here I am, Lord, and that they will come into your love and find your embrace for them. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we always do in this time of the service, we take up an offering and I, again, just to say thank you for the way you are allowing the Lord to use you by your generosity, your faithfulness in supporting both of our churches and the work that we're doing. So right now, once you get ready, as we always do, there will be a snap scan code on your screen that you can give to and also the bank accounts of each church. Just make sure that you're giving to the right bank account for the church that you belong to. And I again want to say, if you're joining us from any part of the world, uh, you're welcome to also contribute and give to us. Uh, if you do not belong to another church. If you belong to another church, please support your local church in your giving. Uh, but for those of us that are part of this church, it's so fantastic how we've continued to give and be generous uh, despite the challenges that many people are facing. So won't you get ready and give to the Lord today and, and bless Him with your tithes and your offerings. Well, it's great for me to have Natasha with me this morning. And uh, we're going to be sharing a message together. And uh, we're going to be talking about prayer and uh, starting a, a new series. But today is also a special day, so I just want to give her an opportunity. Yes, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. What a wonderful, wonderful day it is. May you be so blessed. May God just just come and just puts his, uh, wraps his arms around you and, and just that you will experience the blessing of the Lord today. Uh, amen. 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 And anything you want to say to me? I'm... <laughs> we love you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so today we want to start a series that we've entitled Pray, Life Depends on It. 
And for the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that prayer is such a vital part of our relationship with God, of our faith, of our spirituality, of our journey with the Lord. And it's even possible that during this time, many of us, just perhaps because we've got a bit more time, life is a bit more simple uh, for, for some. I know for some it's more challenging, but for whatever reason that we've probably prayed a bit more than what we even usually pray. And um, I think this is a time where prayer really matters. And uh, that's why we want to talk about prayer. But um, we want to start early on in the Bible with uh, and talk, uh, take a look at prayer today. And uh, we're going to take a look at the life of Abraham as one of the great uh, prayers that he prayed at a specific moment, uh, and I don't know if you recall this, and that what we're going to talk about is when he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. And when God decided that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham prayed this great prayer. And that's the prayer we want to specifically look at today. But before we get to that prayer, there's a bit of context that we have to create and just remind us all of where we are in the, in the scriptures and in the journeys with the Lord. And uh, part of the reason we wanted to look at Abraham and this prayer is because this is so early on in man getting to know who God is. If you think about it, remember that Abraham uh, was encountering God before the law was even given. This was, this was really early on in man's journey of getting to understand who God is. This is early on in the revelation of God and who God is. And, and it's for me amazing to remember that Abraham... He didn't have a, a scripture to read. He didn't have a Bible to read. Most of his culture wasn't even yet formed around who God is. He didn't have many other people to tell him no. about this God, Jehovah, no. who this God is. This was a man face to face getting to know God. Almost without much other information. Just getting to know God for who God is. Because he had encounters with God and interaction with God. Which started right in Genesis 11. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to know that the theology of Abram's day was moon worship. They, they worshipped the moon. So that was his, his whole environment around him was, was, was that kind of worship around their God. Didn't really play a role in his life. He, he, he never knew about God or there's no indication that he knew about God before that. But then we start seeing how from Genesis 11 uh, onwards, you start seeing how God is, is just, uh, you know, uh, playing this role or uh, in Abram's life. He appears to Abram in the first time and he says, come and follow me. And Abram just goes and he follows, follows, uh, you know, blindly follows God without asking questions. You'd, and you see that there is this development that takes place where, where he, the first place he gets to, he starts building an altar. And then the second place he builds an altar and then he starts crying out to the Lord. He, he starts worshiping God. And you see him doing this and he's progression uh, with his relationship with God and then eventually you start seeing um, that he's that the monologue becomes a dialogue and he starts talking back to God you know before that was only God speaking to him and him listening and then he's you know as it grows and as his trust in God starts growing in his life it becomes this dialogue between God and man so that for me is incredibly encouraging to see that kind of progression 
transformation in, in, in Abram's life. And then eventually you start, as God on many occasions just start telling him about the promise over his life and the promise of, many, of being a great nation and him being the promise bearer of to the world of a great nation and he starts promising about Isaac and as those promises on various occasions happens to him you see the progression of relationship in Abram's life until you get to that place where God at the last time appears to him um, when you know when by that time Abram must have wondered is this promise ever going to happen and and that last time where you just see him fall face down you know on the ground before God and it's just amazing to see how his heart became humble. He didn't even talk back to God, uh, you know, in, in, in rebellion or anything. He just completely trusted God, a completely surrendered life before God, um, just knowing that that what God, who God is, he is the God who says he will, they will do what he says he will do. Yeah, I, I, we must remember that the journey of Abraham is about a 25-year journey from the first encounter with God till when the promise of Isaac is fulfilled. And it, it, it's an amazing study in the scripture to see how a relationship with God is formed and how somebody grows in their relationship. Like Natasha says, they, they were moon worshippers. So in the context of the day, many gods, a number of gods that people yeah. were worshipping. And now this new God, in a sense, if I, if I use that word, is introducing himself to man and setting himself apart as being different than the other gods. And one of the key things is, as Natasha said there, is that with this God, there's a dialogue. This is not a one-way conversation. Man talking to God or God talking with man one way. There's now what we see happening and Abraham growing used to is that he can talk with this God and this God talks back. I mean, if you're a moon worshiper, the moon doesn't really speak to you. <laughs> Directly, definitely. Well, may, to some people. Yeah, well, I don't know. Some people, yeah. But, but what would happen at, at most is that a priest would come and tell you that the moon is asking this of you, asking mm. a sacrifice or yeah. even human sacrifice. But then you as a human had no choice you have to do what the God says and the priest says because that's the relationship God says you do but here with Abraham we see something interesting develop in how he's getting to know God and realizing that he can have a conversation with this God and then we get to this amazing point where in, in Genesis 18, and I'm going to read it for us just now, where these two men came, and obviously angels that came and spoke to them and renewed the promise and reminded them about the promise. It's the occasion where Sarah laughed. And, and, uh, but as they leave, we pick up the story where they start telling Abraham some of God's plans. Yeah. And that's when in, in Genesis 18 verse 16, um, let's read just together, and then we're going to make some comments about that. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? That's an amazing statement yeah. of relationship where God says, I'm going to do something, but I want my friend yeah. to know I'm going to do this. Then he says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And then we carry on reading. Then Abraham, sorry, let me stop there. Then, then God tells Abraham that he's going to destroy yes. Sodom and Gomorrah. But this upsets Abraham. Yeah, very much. Because he's saying, you know, this is not 
who God is. He, he started to get to know that God is a kind, patient God. So he, st he stands up and he actually has this dialogue with God and, and starts this whole bargaining process with God, trying to say to God, but this is not who we in my nation know who you are. You are a kind, patient yeah. God. Because if we are just read, he said, so he wanted Abraham to train his family and his, the, the nations to come, yeah. that God is righteous and just. And now he says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the evil. And we'll talk about the evil now. But let me yeah. just read for you the scripture in Genesis 18, verse 23. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people on it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will, you not, will not the judge of the earth of all the earth do right? So he starts saying to God, look, if you do this, if you wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah indiscriminately and you don't, and you don't help the people that are righteous, then you are not righteous. And he's having a, a conversation with yes. God about justice. He's saying, like Natasha says, this is not how I know you. you. You're a kind God. You're a fair God. You're a righteous and just God. And, but if you do this indiscriminately, it's not just. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what was this great evil of Sodom and Gomorrah that upset God so much? What happened? Yeah, I, I think in this great evil, you know, we read about it in Ezekiel 16, 49, verse 50. And, and let me read it to you, then we, can, then we can see it out of Ezekiel's mouth. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them and you, um, as you have seen. So these, these were people that, that firstly, before the, uh, what, what Ezekiel is talking about here is not that, that these were people that was just sinning against each other. This was people and being, and being uh, you know, unjust with each other, but they were unjust as a, as a concept before God, you know, this is this was just a very interesting way of perspective that yeah. Ezekiel gives on this. Yeah, so it's very important for us to understand when the scripture talks about justice, it's not firstly talking about the, the sin or the injustice that man does towards each other. This is just, uh, justice in the scripture is always about God's will what God wants, how God wants us. So the scripture sets up that there's an objective truth. There's an objective yeah. law. There's an objective expectation on us. God puts an expectation on man that is, that is not just about how we behave towards each other. It's first about us keeping his law yeah. and his will. So justice is always a matter of God's will. Yeah. When we break God's will, we end up breaking it against one another also, because it's a, it's a complete package. And so what Sodom and Gomorrah was doing is they were really overstepping and sinning against God. And the picture, if you read the context of the day, and, and, this, and in, in Genesis also talks where God says, I've heard the cry of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the, the cry that it refers there to is, is almost like, a, like if, if something's rotten in your house and you're walking around, you're going, where does that smell come from? And there's a stench that is coming up. It's not that 
Sodom and Gomorrah were crying out because they were suffering. It's that their sin and how they've broken the law of God and how they've stepped out against God's way. And therefore the injustice that that was producing, how they were treating each other, how they were treating the poor, the marginalized, that caused the stench to rise up to God. That God eventually in, in, in sort of our language said, I need to go and inspect this. I need to go and investigate what's going on. Where is this smell coming from? And when God looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, this is, I need to do something. I can't allow this to continue. This kind of evil, this kind of injustice, this willful sinning against me. Yeah. This early on in the development of man, if I don't, if I let this go unchecked, it's going to spread and it will become man's story. I need to stop this. And then he says, and he does what God doesn't want to do. He says, I'm going to wipe them all out. But then Abraham says, no, no, no. What about if there's 50 righteous people? Now, righteous in that context, I think means... People that have some inclination of not wanting to live life for themselves, their own wealth, their own pleasure, but actually wanting to live life for some godly principle and recognizing that there's a higher expectation on them, not just what they want for themselves. Because this was a time where kings were going to war. Everybody was trying to get wealth. It was just after the Tower of Babel. Every nation was trying to establish itself, its own way. People were just wanting to do what they wanted to do. And God says, I can't let that go. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge. Yeah, this. in the Tower of Babel, man, you know, a man lifted up his eyes to the heavens and said, let us make a name for ourselves. And that was the motivation at the Tower of Babel. And then now God walks this relationship with Abram. And, and you start seeing in the story of Abram that God is making a name for Abram, not him making a name for himself. So in the story of the, you know, the desolation that is in Sodom and Gomorrah, you can it's people living that selfish, subjective kind of life for me and my own, you know. It's not an, an objective thing because it's a, it's a weird story, this, because you've got to understand at the end of the day, where did the outcry come from? Because everybody was wiped out. Three people were saved at, and they weren't even very righteous at the end of the day, Lot and his two daughters. So, so, so it is a little bit of a different story that needs a little bit of a deeper, uh, you know, investigation. And I love this quote from Thomas Aquinas that says, justice is a certain rectitude of mind whereby a man does what he ought to do in circumstances confronting him. And what Aquinas was talking about here was, it's not that it is right for me. It is that it is the right thing to do, even if it is not right for you. So if stealing was wrong, it was wrong because it was wrong, not because it was wrong for me. And if I didn't agree with it, it's not wrong with me. Yeah. It wasn't a relative um, idea that God wanted to establish. God wanted to say, yeah, but listen, there is a standard. There's a morality here on earth that you need to follow and that you need to see who I am as God. And uh, it's not just about what the damage that people do to one another here. There is a justice that is higher than the justice or the human rights of this is my right to do this um, and this is what is right for me and not maybe for you. There is a justice here that is a universal justice, a universal morality yeah. that we need to, it is the right thing to do even if it is not right for you. Yeah, and, and I think somebody said we must always remember that sin is in a personal affront to a very personal God. Yes. And he so takes this, it personally. He takes it personally. So this was very serious for God. Yeah. But this is where it really gets interesting yeah. for me. Even though God is so, I mean, this is a big deal for him. He allows Abraham... 
to start bargaining, bargaining with him. <laughs> so Abraham says, and you know the story, he says, what if there's 50? And the Lord says, okay, if I can find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. I will save the city. Then Abraham goes to bed, he sleeps, and he thinks, I don't know if there's 50. So he goes back to God. He says, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to tempt, you know, I don't want to upset you. And he, you can see the respect he has for God. But he dares say, what if it's 45? And then he keeps on bargaining with the Lord until he gets him down to 10, where the Lord finally says, okay, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll save the city. And, and this makes me think of how many African markets we've been to <laughs> up in Africa and even in South Africa. And when you want to go buy something, it's part of the deal is that you, that you, you have to haggle with the person. Uh, remember when we were in Thailand, this yeah. was so amazing. In Thailand, when you go and you want to buy something, the language is an inhibitor. They, they don't speak, you know, language. So what the guy will do is you say, what's the price? He types it in on his calculator and he gives you the calculator, remember? And you say, no, no, no. And you make quite a profuse act and then you type your price. And then so you keep yeah. on passing the calculator till you come to a price. It becomes a sport. It becomes a, it's because the value is on not just the transaction, but the relationship. And I think this is what we see happening with Abraham and God. God is saying, I want to do this. And it's like God is set, but he allows Abraham to step into that space yeah. and to start changing the mind of God. Yeah. And, and that's an, a remarkable thing. Yeah, I mean, the boldness that, that Abraham has here is not a boldness that is a, a selfish boldness. It is a boldness because, remember, this is chapter 18 that we're talking about. And in chapter 15, we read that uh, God cutting the covenant with, uh, making this covenant with Abram. So it is a, it's a boldness that is established with, uh, out of the, a covenant relationship uh, with, with God. So, so that is with that confidence that Abram now has, has this relationship with God saying, but there, there's got to be a voice for me in this to be able to speak for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that, and that is, the, I think, the key thing that we learn from this story and that we really want to pick up today is that prayer for us as Christians with the God that we have, that is our Father, is highly relational. And it's a two-way communication. It's a dialogue. It, and how empowering that is. It makes me think of some of the New Testament stories that we, that we know of. For instance, when, um, when blind Bartimaeus, remember, was, heard that Jesus was in town. Yeah. And uh, in Mark 10, verse 46 to 49, we read the following. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And, and this is the big deal. Where, that, that God comes and says to us, you have a right to speak and you have a right to speak loudly. Even though God is the God of all creation, he's the authority, he's the king of kings, his will is supreme. Yeah. But he doesn't come. And, and, and be authoritarian over us and tell us, shut up, you have no right, just do what I tell you to do. He says, no, I am your father and I want you to have a voice. I want you to speak about what's going on with your life, about what's going on in the world around you. I need you to talk to me. I need you to shout at times to make your voice known so, because this is a partnership. It makes me think of like our children. 
You know, when, when your children are small, how many of us tell them, because I say so? When you tell them to do we something say it's or not. A parent a parentocracy. Yeah, our children always said it's a parentocracy. <laughs> we have a parentocracy. When they were little, if we wanted them to do something, we just said, you know, because I said so. But Natasha has always been so great how she's over time, she's always said to them, if we tell you to do something, but you disagree with it, come with an argument. Come and tell us your, your thought. And yeah. you remember the time yeah. that what happened in our house, one of the times this happened. Yeah, so, so we had all this, you must know now, with four boys, um, we had all this incredible amount of soft toys all over the place. And these soft toys, uh, after a while, you know, when they were older, I wanted to start getting rid of these soft toys because, I mean, you don't have space anymore. We can't keep all the toys in the house. So I decided one day I was going to take these black bags and I'm going to throw all the soft toys in it and I'm going to give it to a shelter or, you know, give into Moy Plaza, one of the places where we work in. And as I was busy, very militantly doing this, um, I walk outside and I get three of my boys standing um, with their arms around each other crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this now? I thought we agreed on this. And then my one boy, my second boy, was he's, he had this definite uh, confidence in him um, just to say to me, you know what, I just want to tell you, you add, the way that you know where every, you have bought every handbag that you owe, you know exactly where you bought this. We know where we have bought, where we got every single software from. This is our heresy. Heritage. Just sorry. Heresy. It is our heritage. This, this is our history that you just want to throw away. And I was... I was just speechless. Yeah, so needless to say, today we still have the black bags filled with soft toys In that we've got to keep somewhere because, you know, but this was their argument. And this is what God does with us. He comes and he says, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. But because we're his children, he says, now come, talk with me. Talk with me about this. Um, we have the same story, for instance, where Jesus highlights in Luke 18, where he talks about the widow. In verse 1 to 3, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. In verse 4, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the point Jesus was making is exactly this point, that God is God and he, he's going to do his will because his will is always right. But yet he invites us to have a voice to speak into it, that justice is something that we are part of doing this will of God. And, and this is amazing because otherwise, if we don't have a voice, why would we pray? But we have a voice. And it creates this theological conundrum for us almost that this perfect God that always will do what is right, we can actually change his mind. Yes. I love this quote of Brueggemann. He says, in the end, prayer as utterance is a refusal of silence. We need to rediscover speech and learn to live 
out loud with God. I oh, love this. To live a life out loud. And this is what the beggar did. He lived out loud. This is what the widow did. He lived out loud yeah. with God. And, and that to me, we're living in these days. There's so much going on. And we can learn so much from this. The first thing I think we need to learn from Abraham is his compassion. Because God wasn't going to judge him. Yeah. He wasn't in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was safe. But he had such a compassion for the people of Sodom. Such a concern for is it just? Is God acting justly towards these people? Is God being fair towards the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? And he interceded. And that's the word we use. That he yeah. stepped in. in the, and and later the, the perfect intercessor became Jesus. That stands in the gap forevermore. Right at the right hand of the Father. Ever interceding for us. Mm. But yeah, Abraham did that. So he, he had this compassion, but he also took this bold step of talking with God, which in his day, for us it's different now because we've got the scripture, we, we know the revelation, we've got so much information about who God is. He was getting to know God. And right there already he knew enough about God that gave him the boldness in the covenant that he had with God to say, excuse me, can I say something? And how amazing that God didn't say, shut up, Abraham. I'm, going to, I'm God, who are you to talk to me? He says, no, I'm going to listen to you. He elevates Abraham. And I think that's the amazing thing. In a, whenever there's a power, a relationship between persons that have power and people that don't have all the power, is can they have a dialogue with one another? And even in our nation right now, are we able to dialogue with each other? Because the moment the dialogue stops, the relationship becomes unbalanced. Then, then if our government doesn't listen to its citizens, then we don't have an effect. And then it becomes this oppressive place. But if we can, if the government says, this is what we want to do, but there are, there are, place, there are ways that we can engage and say, but what about this? Then we come to the better conclusion at the end of the day. And so it is with God and us. That, and it's amazing that God does this. You know, and I, I think this is what Jesus has done on the cross. Jesus on the cross gave a voice because he died the sinner's death. Yeah. He gave a, a voice to the died sinner. Died the death a slave would die. He died a, a, a death that the slave would. So he gave he gave a voice to the slave. You know, so so it is to live that life out loud and to you know so so many things would want to quiet your voice, especially in the consumer kind of society that we live in, that's very militant at times. You just you know, God wants to give a voice to every person, and wherever you feel silent. You know, yeah. by by sickness, by disease, by 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 injustice, where you feel silenced, yeah. it's to actually stand boldly on understanding that you are standing in a covenant relationship with God, and that you start living your life out loud. You know, it's like I love my favorite one of my favorite quotes in a movie is Independence Day, the first movie that says, um, "Yeah, I will not go silently into the night." This is the president standing in front of the people, uh, the guys that's going to fight now. And he's saying to them, you know, uh, you know, giving them the speech and he's saying, we will not go silently into the night. We will stand up and fight 
I love that. I was inspired after that movie, you know. So, but that is it, you know. It's not to, it's not, don't allow things to silence the voice of prayer. Even your voice of prayer for other people and for this nation that we live in. Like Abram intercedes here, stand up. Do not go silently into the night. Stand up and fight for people. And I, But I think as Christians, our voice needs to be heard in prayer first. Yeah. Before we want to shout and, and talk exactly. to others yeah. and 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 demonstrate or everything we need to do what Abraham did talk to God first yeah. say Lord I don't understand this you say you're a just God but then you act in this way is this just and and tell me how is this just and when when we when we get God's perspective then we can speak from that place not because remember justice is not a human reality it's not about firstly about what we do to each other. Yeah. It's firstly about are we keeping God's law? Are we following through on his principles? Are we living life that represents what God wants and his kingdom and his will? Yeah. And therefore, when we want to talk about these things, we need to talk about God, to God first. If we shout loud in any other way first, yeah. we end up doing more damage. Yeah, we have a lot of people living an out loud life, but because it, uh, it's so subjective in this world that we live in, that is so subjective and it's me and my rights and, and human rights is such a huge thing, you know, but, uh, but it's all about me that we shout to each other. And we haven't learned to live a life out loud before God first, before we live a life out loud before people. So whether it's celebration, whether it's lament, whether it's crying out to God, whether it is petition. thankfulness, whether it's petition, we can come boldly before God. And I want to encourage you in this time right now, and this is what's on our heart for all of us together, that if you're struggling, talk to God. If your finances, it's going difficult with you. You have a voice. You have a voice. You can go to God and you can say, Lord, what is... And, and you know, sometimes we don't get the answer because we haven't knocked long enough. Yeah. We, and, and it's a lot. And I mean, we've experienced it in our life. You ask God once, He doesn't answer. You ask him a second time, he doesn't answer. Like with the promise of the, uh, with Abram, you yeah. know, of the son. Oh, it, goodness me, he must have. Yeah. You know? It takes years sometimes. And sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this. It's almost like when I get to the point where I'm now a little emotional. And I come to God and I pour out. And suddenly he answers and he speaks or he does something. Because he's drawn me into a place of real connection with him. And, and, that's at, yeah. and, and that's at the Praise end God. of the day what God wants, is us relating with him. And so we want to encourage you today, just pray, man. Pour out your heart to God for yourself and, as Natasha says, for others. Pray for our nation. I mean, it's fantastic that Abraham didn't go, yes, these Sodomites and go people, it. go for it, Lord. De destroy them. They deserve it. Like so many times, you know, even as Christians, we do today. When we see God, you know, we say, yeah, they deserve it. No, let's have a heart of compassion. Let's cry out for the people in our nation, in our world that are, that are struggling, that are, that are coming up. Let's give them a voice before God. Stand before God. And, and then let's, and when it's our own needs, let's cry out to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's, let's be like Bart, blind Bartimaeus. Let's be like the widow in the story and cry out to God because God gave us a voice. But this is a two-way street. This is a dialogue we're having with God. Prayer is a relational thing that we do with God. Mm -hmm. 
So as we end the message today, we're going to have some discussion points up and I'd like you to just consider them and to talk through them and just to talk about how's your prayer dialogue going? Have you fallen into perhaps a place where prayer has become one way, where you're either just trying to hear what God is saying or perhaps you're talking all the time and you're not hearing what God is saying to you, but is there a dialogue? How is your prayer life helping you know God better? Because that's the ultimate reality yes. of prayer. It's an it's a intimacy with God. It builds yeah. relationship. Without prayer, there's no relationship with God. And then lastly, what is your cry to the Lord? Are you living out loud before the Lord, making known to Him your requests, your supplications? So um, this is just what we wanted to share with you today, and we trust that you strengthen and encourage. I'm going to ask Natasha to end for us in a, in a word of prayer. And uh, thank you. Father, so we just want to come to you standing boldly on the covenant relationship that we have with you. Father, I pray, teach us to pray. Teach us to live lives out loud before you. Father, I pray, show us what, what is the things that silence our voice before you. What is the things that takes away that confidence that we feel that we cannot come before you? Sometimes it's just overwhelming the life that we live and the world that we live in, Father God. So I pray, stir our hearts in such a way today that we will live out loud before you. I pray, stir our hearts for our country, for the world that we live in, that we will live a life interceding for this world, living a life out loud. Um, interceding for the world that we live in today. Father, so that everything brings glory to your name. Teach us your ways. Teach us your justice, Lord, not our own subjective ways of thinking about it. So we just want to say, Lord, we love you. And we want to say, Lord, have mercy on us. Have grace on us. Let us step in to an understanding of dialogue with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to go to one of our prayer spaces right now. If you want somebody to pray with you, it's possible that you've not gotten to know Jesus yet, that you're not a follower of Christ. And uh, today we want to give you an opportunity. If you want to begin to journey with God and have this beautiful relationship with God, I want to ask you to right now go to hccs.online.church uh, if you're watching through the South Churches uh, platforms or hatfield.online.church if you're watching through the Hatfield East. Hatfield East, you can also make use of the uh, 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 Zoom call right now. The, the address will come on the screen and you just follow that address and you go into a Zoom call and there'll be people in all of those places waiting for you right now to pray with you. If you don't have data and you can't do that, then you also can send an email to prayforme at hccsouth.co.za or prayforme at hatfield.co.za and we'll be connect connecting with you quickly and getting to with just pray with you and uh, help you in whatever way we can. May the Lord bless you and may you have a fantastic week in prayer with him and uh, just seeing the Lord come through for you in amazing ways. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Papa. 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 Daddy. Dad. 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 Papa, I think you're amazing because you are strong. Thank you for being my best friend. <laughs> I'm thankful that you showed me the Father heart of God. I'm thankful for you always strengthening me. 
and guiding me throughout life. My father is the world to me. He's always been there for me and I really appreciate him. Make me laugh when you play with me and tickle me. And you're amazing because you're always there when we need you and you love us so much. Dad, I think you're amazing because you taught me the biggest lessons of my life. And for that, I'll always be grateful. You make me laugh when you start dancing. Hey, best Tati. I love you, Daddy. Love you, Daddy. Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day, Daddy! Happy Father's Day! 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 Happy Father's Day. <laughs>